I, I almost feel like it's not illiteracy. I feel like they're reading it and they know what it says and they're purposefully shifting. So they are purposefully shifting it. What they're actually trying to do is because they believe they can rationalize their identity and with the scripture. And what that is the state of pride. It's, it's the kingdom of self. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber and I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. All right, episode 47, rocking our way right to your eardrums, 0047. Boom, boom, boom. Yep, this is, uh, I hope you enjoyed the Thanksgiving special this past Thanksgiving week, but we're jumping right back into full, own, long episodes. Good old, regular old, long two hours later. <laughs> no time coupons and no time to waste. So we're doing episode 47 this week. And the title of this episode is Side B Christianity and the Wink and Nod Church. Mm. What was that from? That's the Price is Right sound. Isn't that like Plinko on the Price is Right when you, when you don't do well? Boy, I, it, last time I watched Price is Right, Bob Barker was still alive. So. I don't know. I was just going with it. Wait, did he die or just quit? I'm pretty sure he, he had to have died. We should be talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> well, Bob Barker, wherever you are. <laughs> I gotta look it up for closure. <laughs> you know what, Bob Barker, wherever you are, it's probably not great. Barker. I'm just gonna say that out loud. I'm just gonna be We will we'll answer your question. We will answer it for you right now, so you're not left in suspense. Is Bob Barker alive? Um, I think he actually did retire off the show. I didn't die like on the show. I think he retired from the show. And let's see. Then died. Survey says I have no dead date. He's still alive. Bob Barker is kicking <laughs> hard. Man, well, that guy. He was born in 1923. The things that man's seen. He's 97. Just keeps going. Wow. Well, every time I think of him, I just think of I always think of him saying, "Make sure you have your pets spayed and neutered." <laughs> what? <laughs> he used to say that all the time as a PSA every episode. Why did he do that? Uh, just I guess he didn't want strays. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we're going from strays to gays. Oh, that's side bad, beak. <laughs> that's a bad transition. It is true. We will be talking about side B Christianity and side A Christianity, a little bit of both. And uh, if you're not, if these are new expressions to you, hopefully we will educate you this very evening. It was new to me. Yes, it was new to Jesse. So it's we still will, fairly new to me. We will fill you in. Um, now this both, is both both sides are wrong, right? Yeah. We're just throwing this mixtape all right yeah. out, right? Yep. I guess we'll we'll okay. not we'll not build up to that. I guess we'll just say both sides are wrong. No, we'll I, I, I wanted to clarify just for my own self. Probably oh. should have done that off. Mike, you know it's okay. Yes, both sides are biblically errant. Yes, they are not. They're not correct, and we'll talk about why both sides are incorrect, and we'll also talk about what both sides are because, well, we don't want you to live in ignorance, and uh, it is definitely a cultural topic. Yes, don't be like me. So we'll be addressing. Um, just it, this is not a new topic. Um, so if you have heard of this before, it's it's probably not new to you. But but the uh, a recent article that appeared in Religious News Service. First, and then it was picked up everywhere. I believe Pathos picked it up, and Wapo picked it up. That's the Washington Post. Pathos. So this article has been circulated quite a bit, but it appeared first on religious <laughs> news services. Uh, the title of the article was "Traditional Side B LGBTQ Christians Experience Experience a Renaissance." Right. That was the title of the article. You'll find a link in the show notes where you can read it for yourself. We'll be taking some quotes from there, and uh, as well as unpacking what Side A and Side B Christianity. Uh, are and then kind of the common links that actually produce the problems biblically. Well, I mean, not all of them. We can't do all the problems biblically, but so we'll address many we'll address some of the general issues uh, as well as an encouragement to the church on how to engage in the ministry of reconciliation as we are called to uh, through Christ um, and His Word. So, side A and side B Christianity. Uh, they're they're terms that have appeared over roughly the past ten years ish. In and out, and it's simply a way to get a categorize how the church has adopted homosexuality, homosexual views uh, on how to treat homosexuality outside of what historical, biblical Christian orthodoxy was. So when you have when we say side A Christianity, we're talking about the the realm inside of Christianity that just has a general acceptance and affirmation of homosexuality. Side A Christians themselves this is all right this is like the super cliff notes version by the way i'm not giving you super big depth here because then the rest of the podcast wouldn't be able to happen um side a christians actually see 
homosexuality as something that is both uh, intended and affirmed by God. And so they they range in their ideas of relationships from from casual sexual relationships uh, straight through um, to committed <laughs> marriage homo- married homosexual relationships uh, and and anywhere in between. And they can actually think all of those types of relationships are good. Um, that's that's side A. Now again, we're not we're not got some, <laughs> got some red flags. On that okay, what we're not doing is we're just not we're not going into the um, the the clear biblical teachings on these yet. I'm just trying to explain them, Jesse. Hold yourself back. Control yourself. Man, I can think of at least, boy, like four or five verses that would control yourself. Side B, Christianity, literally, when you think about it, you're talking about like a record or I know this is old, so we're dating dating time here. So like a record, a vinyl record, which they still make because they're nostalgic. You know, they've they've come all the way into nostalgia. It's like, oh, cool, a vinyl. Yeah. Major supply chain issues with those, by the way. Some of my favorite metal bands are being really Oh, no, their vinyls not be able to release? Yeah. Oh, geez, first world problems. Anywho, yeah. So, so basically, a, a vinyl, would, ah. the vinyl medium has both. Thanks, Budajidge. <laughs> Budajidge, <laughs> way to go, buddy, taking your parental leave or whatever. Anyway, so you have two sides of that medium. You can literally listen to side A of a vinyl record and then flip it over and listen to side B, and the contents would be different. I would actually submit to you that the contents of this record, whether you flip from side A to side B are actually both just a broken record. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you, you flip it over, it's the same thing, and you're like, why did I pay full price? I shouldn't have even... <laughs> I should can I get a refund? Songs. But Side B Christianity uh, still sees the, their, their homosexuality as uh, part of the intent in creation, that they were literally... This is how they were created. Uh, and, and they don't necessarily see their homosexuality identity as a sin rather they they believe acting upon it would be in violation of what god has commanded for sex and marriage um and and their their uh their relationships are far more nuanced since their their view is more nuanced so they're they range pretty much from celibacy that is we cannot escape that word here on the carpet feeding celibacy <laughs> nuance. Oh, nuance. Well, <laughs> you can't because everyone wants to nuance everything until it doesn't mean anything, which is really annoying. So, so the so the the nuance in their stance actually allows them to range mostly from celibacy, that is not having same sex sex, uh, to a committed a committed marital relationship, uh, in which it is a a mixed identity marriage, a mixed identity marriage, which I know. It sounds it sounds confusing and hard, but basically this it's a it's it, it's it's mixed in its orientation. You have both a heterosexual and a homosexual person that are married. You know, it's blowing your mind. Is it's, it blowing your mind right now, boy? It's yes. So you have both side A and side B. Now here's the problem. Here's where we can really we really want to speak to tonight. Side A Christianity is trash in clear opposition. To God's creative order, God's creative mandate, God's explicit instruction in the word in every obvious form. No portion of God's word is affirming or condoning of homosexuality. Amen? Yeah. Okay. So we can take side A and say, that is so clearly wrong because it is completely outside of the biblical norm of anything. It's just out there. It's gone. It's, it's, it's away. But side B is perhaps the more pernicious because what it attempts to do is utilize the 11th commandment of be nice. And it tries to muddle through homosexuality and make it um, integrated into biblical Christianity. But because side A, we've already said, is not possible to be able to be integrated with Christianity, then trying to mingle it with Christianity obviously has some of the same issues. Agreed. Agreed. And so what we are what we have to unpack tonight is that same reality we've talked about before, and that is you cannot have love without truth. Yes. And so what side B Christians are attempting to do is they're attempting to, with the, you know love is love slogan and we just need to love like all you need is love uh, by by incorporating that mentality into christianity but also removing complete truth so in some ways what we'll address tonight 
are the commonalities that both side A and side B have together. And namely, that is, both of those ideas center around identity with a lie, right? And love can never have a lie. Love does not lie. That's in 1 Corinthians 13, by the way. Love doesn't lie. I believe it's verse 6. Um, love doesn't lie. And so since love rejoices in the truth, and it does, not, it does not lie, right? You need to have a proper understanding of identity. But they both share the same identity. In this, they both share the homosexual identity, and they see the homosexual identity as one, as they were made, and two, a valid identity. And the second part that they share in common is the idea of emotions and feelings. They actually have their emotions and feelings um, are are very much... So I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how I read it off of a website that was trying to kind of compare and contrast. Yes, this website is called comingoutforchristians.net. <laughs> the main idea was that the feelings and emotions um, are not just, they're, they're not, oh, that's what it said. It said feelings and emotions were a, literally a barometer, they're a barometer for us. And they put the emphasis on feelings and emotions that, that are, that makes, and make them not something that can be indicative, right? But something that actually controls and moves us. And since they both, both side A and side B share these two, um, these two views, it's easy to start to unpack the Bible to bring it to bear. So, so now you have a brief overview. We'll, we'll call that the 30,000-foot view of side A and side B. I wanted to take this article and give you some, some quotes. Nuggets. Some, some, some little nuggets. Word nuggets. <laughs> word nuggets? <coughs> nuggets of words. How does one mind wor- mine word nuggets? I don't know. <laughs> you get your you get your word pickaxe out and you mine pickaxe. Mine the words. All right. Um, you mine the so word it, or <laughs> you, you, find, you smelt the word nuggets. So as we address side B Christianity <laughs> and side word A bars. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. I got nothing. As we address side A and side B Christianity from the same way, the article itself is focused on the Renaissance around particularly side B Christianity. This idea that's trying to marry some form of love that is devoid of truth so that it can we can adopt homosexuality into our, our Christian vernacular and life. So they they have this identification uh, that homosexuality is created, created and ordered. So a direct quote from the article in Religious News Services says this, When Grant Hartley first discovered he was gay at age 13, he adopted what he calls an, quote, ex-gay mindset, unquote. He saw his attractions as a sort of test, something he could overcome with faith, but no amount of prayer changed him. His exact words, he says, I quote, I started to think of it more as a gift, as a strength, said Hartley. He's now 28. He's openly gay. He goes on to say, maybe there is something about the beauty I am able to see that straight men are not able to see. So right off the bat, we have this. Never view sin as a superpower. Well, well, well and, and, that's, and this, is, this, is something, this is something that they do share in common, though, that it's not just something. It's not just a thing. It is woven into the fabric of who they are. It is part of who they were made to be. Right. Right. So like, so basically the, the side, the side B Christian says, I was born gay. I'm made gay. God made me gay and he calls it good, but acting out. Wait, no. Not, yeah. Acting out on that is, is where God draws the line. Yeah. That, that, that their, their homosexual feelings and their homosexual ordered nature, right? Their same sex attraction is a part of who they were made to be. Right. But that God made sex for something else. Okay. So they believe in a historical, biblical, orthodox understanding of sex and marriage. <laughs> Therefore, side B Christians often do not believe. The hard part is side B is so nuanced that you can't say, you know how you can't say, you can't say something definitive because someone will just say, right, that's, yeah. not what, that's not what side B, right. So, so 
what what it generally <laughs> believes is that marriage is not for kind of like a billy. <laughs> yes, kind of like a billy. So you can't actually you you can't actually be married and homosexual because marriage was not created for that by God. That's what a side B Christian would say. Oh. Whereas side A would say no, homosexual marriage is great. You know, well anything ranging from casual homosexual intera- in, interactions to homosexual marriage. That's all. It's all good. Gotcha. So side side B. Side B uh, would, what, uh, constrain themselves to celibacy then? Or to a mixed orientation marriage. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, there we go. Which, um, I, that is, it's still it does, wildly it, confusing. It does, it does confuse it. Because, so this is wrapped up in, in some, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. That, that particular, the mixed orientation marriage is specifically wrapped up in one word and one word only, and that's identity. And that's the problem. That's one of the one of the hugest, one of the biggest problems here in, in in either side A or side B is the fact that they wrap everything up in identity, and it's a real problem. It's a problem for any Christian to wrap anything up in identity like this, and and we'll we'll unpack that. Additionally, the movement seems to call homosexuals to live as celibate homosexuals as they see marriage as being biblically between man and a woman. Well, well so that, that's something at least. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. So it goes. It Hartley goes on here. Um, it goes on to talk about Hartley here in the article, and it says, Hartley is part of a small group of openly LGBTQ Christians who, while embracing their sexual orientation, see, they're, they're embracing their sexual orientation, yes, yes. also believe God designed sex and marriage to occur exclusively between a man and a woman. So they're trying to literally mingle things together. Again, this is the be kind commandment. We're going to create a kind, safe space where you can be both homosexual and Christian, you follow me? Oh yeah, I mean, pondering. I, I see you're pondering. I follow you. I mean, so many, I, 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 I know like you what so you're questions. saying. None of this makes any sort of I feel like actual so sense. It doesn't make any sense unless you. Th- well, it doesn't make any sense from a actual, real, truly Christian worldview, right? And more so, what it makes the most. They're just sense. playing games. Correct. It makes the most sense inside of our understanding of what culture is trying to do, and our culture is basically trying to make everything meaningless. It, it tears down the meaning of anything until it's subjective. Everything in our culture is based upon subjective reasoning now. Um, it is the, the God of self. So this is all the kingdom of self. We're talking about the kingdom of self here, completely and exclusively. So w- when these people are in a mi- uh, what are they, what are they, mixed orientation? Mixed orientation, correct. A, a mom, a mixed orientation marriage. Huh. I guess that's what, well, there's an acronym. <clears throat> so, when they're, so, when they're, so when they're in a mom, do they force themselves to bear children with the other person? Um, yeah, there are uh, there are mixed orientation marriages where they have been married for first quite some time with kids and and so they forsake their homosexual identity and participate in the act of hetero. And it, no, wh- they never forsake their homosexual identity. It's literally their identity. What a mess! So that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this to you. Um, <laughs> you're, you're doing a great job. I mean, I, I feel it, that's it's just. I think it's important depraved. for us to understand. We see this in the church in the Western church. This is prevalent. This is prevalent in the Western Church, whether it be a side A or side B view of Christianity. Both both pre- both views are prevalent, because what we can't do in the Christian Church anymore is say that is sin, and I love you too much to not tell you that what you're doing is separating you from God. It's breaking off that relationship. Right. We don't we don't do that in the church anymore. We we don't stand on what the Word says. All right, let me go on. Let's get a couple more things from this article. I know you have a lot. I see so many things in your mind spinning around. (laughs) If only the people listening to audio could see what I'm seeing right now. (laughs) (laughs) They they might start hearing it come out of my ears soon. (laughs) So Nate Collins uh, is president and founder of Revoice, which is um, a ministry. He's also a ministry associate at the Sight Ministries. ministries. Um, Nate Collins began the Revoice conference in 2018 to give a parentheses re voice uh, <laughs> to the side B movement. Uh, and it was, it was made in direct opposition to the Nashville statement, which was a pretty much completely traditionally biblical Orthodox view of gender and sexuality. There'll be a link to the Nashville statement so you can read it and know what the revoice was trying to oppose. You can also find um, many of the, the sessions that, that occurred at revoice on, on the YouTubes as well. Um, the original revoice. I mean, I'm not going to sell. Not, I'm not, you want to. I'm not going to tell you to go look at them. I'm just saying they're there. <laughs> so uh, here, here comes here. This comes uh, directly again from the uh, the article. It says this: 
at first, side B was a most was mostly offering a theological pathway. This is this is it. This is the nutshell, right? A theological pathway for Christians to both accept LGBTQ as a God-given identity and uphold a traditional stance on sex and marriage. Now, Hartley said, the group has taken on a cultural weight. Quote, over time, side B has felt less like a theological position and more like a distinct sub subculture, he said. Yes. Okay. It literally, the article says a sub subculture. I feel like that's getting as ridiculous as like Mongolian throat rock is a subgenre of rock. <laughs> Mongolian throat rock is a subgenre of metal, rock, sore throats, sore throat. <laughs> strep throat, strep throat. Consult your doctor. <laughs> and so, and so, what we have here, by the way, I, I'm I'm I don't want to misquote it. I will confirm, but I believe Nate Collins is in. Um, a mixed orientation marriage and has children in a mixed orientation marriage. He's in a mom. He's in a mom, um, <laughs> which we just coined, by the way. This is new to me. Um, what what that was I, an accident. <laughs> by, taking, <laughs> by taking some of these quotes, I, what I wanted to paint for you was a picture that, um, and this is really, this is the, one of the biggest problems inside the church. We have biblical literacy, which we talk about all the time. Biblical literacy is is so... It's just so detrimental to the church. We must know what God's, God is telling us through his word. Um, it's how we have direct access to what God is speaking to us is through his word. Side note. This might be a topic for another podcast. Okay. Do you think that the reason that the American church is so biblically illiterate is because it does not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, perhaps as prevalently as we thought, to illuminate God's word for us? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. My mind's being blown. Oh, I can't do it right now. Everyone, I apologize. I apologize for my brother going off into that huge tangent. That's like a mind-altering tangent right there. My brain just exploded, but also it's a sad thing to ponder, and it's probably true. All right. So <laughs> maybe we we'll pull, talk. Maybe we'll talk to the Bible diggers by pulling on about that. By pulling on some of these ideas out of the article, I wanted to unpack for you what side B Christianity is trying to do, and that is it points out the reality of the incredible amount of biblical literate, illiteracy in the church. We don't know what God is saying. Um, and because we don't know what God is saying, what we are allowing to do is have a redefinition of love into kindness. And it's not Christian kindness. It is the world's kindness. It is devoid of truth. And if you have something that is devoid of truth, it cannot be loving. I mean, love actually requires the truth. I forgot what I was going to ask. I was going to say, like, um, I don't, I, I almost feel like, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong. I almost feel like this type of twisting of things here i i almost feel like it's not illiteracy i feel like they're reading it and they know what it says and they're purposefully shifting it they are but the goal so they are purposefully shifting it what they're actually trying to do and the reason it's biblical literacy is because they believe they can rationalize their identity and their feelings with the scripture and what that that is is the is the, the the sin of pride. It's it's the kingdom of self, and so they've exalted the kingdom of self over God's word, and so the biblical literacy comes in is they don't even know what God's word is, because you can't you can't rationalize yourself with God's word. God's word must be the thing through which you filter all things, including yourself. Right. And so the so, literacy comes in is that they don't even they're not able even able to probably identify what God's word is actually saying. So they're using a, a man centered hermeneutic to develop their own identity and try to reverse engineer it by trying to justify it with the Bible. Yeah, and maybe we should maybe we should include a link to this article because this uh, this article that I, I referenced. Um, it's literally on the comingoutforchristians.net website. It's called Side A, Side B, Theology Primer. And it is literally a compare and contrast between Side A and Side B and what they think. And it is, um, it's pretty extensive. I mean, it breaks down how they view different scriptural topics like Sodom and Gomorrah, like Leviticus 18, 22, and 2013. Uh, Romans 1, the Romans 1 passage, where it speaks pretty clearly about homosexuality. First uh, Corinthians six nine through eleven and First Timothy one ten, <laughs> I mean, and how homosexuality was misunderstood in Bible times. Ah, uh, yes, it was those dumb ancients misunderstood. So I feel like 
How do you misunderstand it? <laughs> so one of the things I particularly like about this compare and contrast, which is very convenient, because this is literally, this is people in the kingdom of self. I, I, they're defining this for us in this. Right, right. The, this, is, this is on comingoutforchristians.net. So this is literally <laughs> them defining it for... Would you say this is side A or side B website? Um, I, I believe... I don't know. I didn't go into all the different about categories <laughs> on the website. Um, <laughs> Was there a cornucopia of different? <laughs> of different well, I mean, options. there's there's options here. I mean, you can you can read about the person that's uh, that that does this. Uh, they have they have many categories. The website L's is laid and out. With, and <laughs> there's T's. many there's many things to click on on the website. Plus, I will not be click, clicking on most of them. <laughs> um, one of the interesting parts is the um, how would you go. How would you go this direction, whether it being going the direction of side A or going the direction of side B? Um, and it's interesting because on the side A side, it literally says, as a Christian, one would study the scriptures and various resources to figure out what the scriptures are saying on this issue. For those who choose this direction, side A, the accepting side, some have stayed in their traditional church, others due to pressures from their church on their own discomfort on their or their own discomfort in those churches choose instead to attend gay affirming churches. Others sadly leave church fellowship altogether. It should be noted that churches that affirm this direction typically encourage committed relationships over casual sex. They do not typically have anything goes mentality. Other beliefs such as justification by faith in Jesus Christ, the deity of Christ, and belief in the Trinity often remain intact. I mean that's just it's very interesting. That all of that would be in there. Um, I mean, in the why would you go this direction for side A? It's people. It says people who choose this direction feel that God has made them this way. Therefore, they should celebrate what God has made. Also, some people. You know what? Just think about it for a second, everybody. Just think about it. For a <laughs> Just take screen. out homosexuality and insert pedophilia. Oh. Okay. Boy. Take out take out homosexuality and pedophilia and insert any sin. Insert. Insert um, violent rapists. Like, well, God has made me this way, and I should celebrate how God has made. Like, <clears throat> it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It it doesn't work that way. Uh, it goes on to say. Also, some people have tried uh, tried the other direction and have wearied emotionally, financially, and spiritually of continuing in it. They have come to a place where they have decided to accept themselves as being gay or lesbian. Ultimately, this is an issue of conscience in seeking an answer to the questions. What is God telling me to do? That's an issue of conscience. Oh, boy. Or what does the Bible say about this? Or what is my identity in Christ? None of those are... Let me, let me go ahead and let me, let me just get to clarify. When you're asking questions like, what is God telling me to do? He is never going to tell you not to do the thing. And when he says, don't do it, actually mean, go ahead and do it. <laughs> I, don't, I, I really don't want to be flipping here. I, I, there's a... This is what I mean when I say biblical liter- literacy. You see how we're we're trying to morph this in some pretty in some pretty dangerous um, in some pretty dangerous ways, and and when we do that, we're we're running right into just some some real dangerous. I mean, it even has a risks category: the risks of going in either direction, side A or side B, on this website. It's a it's a pretty detailed break, compare and contrast. It really is. Uh, we probably should include a link of it if you're if you really want to understand it. I mean, like like one of the risks of side A is clearly whenever we modify our our Bible view to match our personal view, we need to be careful. No, we don't need to be careful. We need to not stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, do it. don't do that. Just uh, don't repent. Do it. Repent would be a great word. <laughs> All right. Oy. When we identify the problem, you can identify it, and you can identify it really. And it's it's really one main category that 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 is the issue. And ultimately, even when you when you identi- when when you look at the identity, the identity issue also. There's the two main issues are identity and the emotional and emotional feelings, but they're actually linked. They're tied together here. So both side A and side B Christians identify themselves as homosexual homosexuals. That's their identity. But the question you have to answer for Christianity is, can I actually identify that way? Is that way acceptable for a Christian to identify as? And in that you you have to realize what your identity actually is because it's actually important what God calls us. It's, it's, 
it's because he shapes us. We are his. We have been created for his glory. We have been created to glorify him. And if that's the case, and you are a Christian, then it doesn't matter what I say my identity is, because I don't define myself. Rather, there is an objective source that I turn to for the actual answer of, who am I? Yeah, the clay doesn't get to declare itself what it is. That's the potter's job. And we being created beings are um, really just, you know, molded and shaped by God as far as who we are and what our identity is. And I mean, thanks be to God that he get, that he's able to give us a new identity from the identity of dead in our trespasses and sins, which is just so much more beautiful than whatever weird identity this is. Right. And you know, we ask, I, we usually, every time we, enter, we mention this, we always ask the question, hey, when you're dead, um, what can you do? Nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing. You can't do anything. <laughs> so there's no hope, right, in being dead. Correct. Right. In fact, in order to, in order for any of us to be Christians, we literally need to go from dead to alive. Ah, yes. <clears throat> Which is another thing that we also cannot do for ourselves. Right. We can't, the dead does not bring back the dead. There's only one guy that did that. Oh. And he was God. Oh. Uh-oh. All right. Um, so in addressing the identity, we're going to pull on some scriptures. And the scriptures, and here's here's what I want you to ask ask yourself, all right? If you know someone who is uh, a homosexual Christian, a professing Christian that is a homosexual, that identifies themselves as a homosexual, or if you are a Christian who identifies themselves as a homosexual, I want you to hear these scriptures, and and I want you to tell me how we can, can you can continue to identify that way. And here's, here's the point of this. Here's the point of what we're doing tonight. The point is to reclaim the ministry of reconciliation for the church. Because there was a time, this, is, this always consistently happens, one portion of the culture will creep into the church and one side of the church will begin to adopt it and one side of the church will begin to vehemently deny it. And this has happened countless times through the centuries. Uh, I, I remember in doing a lot of study over the, um, the charismatic movement and how, that, that, and how the, immediate, the immediate far reaction to that was cessationism. And I'm not going to get into both of those right now, but it, you can see how it's a pendulum swing um, it, it, in, in the two. It's, it, the immediate reaction was the pendulum swing in the opposite direction. And so as the homosexual movement began to grow there was a church reaction that, that did not offer the truth in love and offered strictly condemnation and guilt. And that's not inherently the correct direction to go from the scriptures. Ephesians clearly calls us to speak the truth. Now, what it doesn't say is it does. What it does not tell us to do is speak the love. Ephesians clearly tells us to speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. Now, that that whole in love thing right there, that phrase, to speak the truth in love, does not mean that when you speak the truth, it needs to drip with some sort of emotive saccharine. That's not what it's saying. Because that speaking of the truth in love in different circumstances could be the, the ardent imploring of someone with deep passion that could be tears and that could be yelling. It could be either one of those things. But why, where is it coming from? Is it coming from love? And so what I want us to hear when we read these scriptures, if you are a, a Christian who does struggle with same-sex attraction, or if you know a Christian that struggles with same-sex attraction, but identifies themselves as that same-sex attraction, what I want you to hear is the reclamation of the ministry of reconciliation here in the Scripture. Because we are to speak these truths in love to someone who lives that way. This is not to minimize the struggle of sin. It's real. But it is to elevate the truth of God's Word. That is what we need. There is no overcoming of sin without the holy indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. And the third part of that is the community of Christ, the church. So some scriptures specifically to address identity. And I broke this down into 
um, three three categories. The first category here we have uh, the the identity of us as new creation. So Jesse, first scripture you got the notes up. I'm assuming you do. I got the notes up. Why don't you go ahead and read our first scripture here under the idea of a new creation? Alrighty. So for new creation, we've got Second Corinthians five verses seventeen through nineteen. Uh, it says this, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What translation is this? To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I do believe it's in the original KJV. I do apologize. <laughs> is, I have not read that in a very long time. Yes, some of these are in the ESV. I, I, I began actually just using my Logos software for the references instead, and I do apologize for the <laughs> KJV. I feel like hey, look, I was set we up. We just want to address all those that may like the KJV, the ESV. Eh, I, was, the... <laughs> I was flowing pretty good with the haths and stuff I like that. I think you did but great. Like, the two wit, wit, the two wit <laughs> threw you off a little bit there. To wit, although I, I do, I, I I love speaking that way. I do find it very, anyway, neither here nor there. Here in this what passage. What does it mean? <laughs> to wit? Yeah. To wit means to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love speaking that way. I do love it. I just love the way it sounds. You don't have to say, you don't have to like the way it sounds. Forget you, man. Second Corinthians 5, 17, 9 is emphatically clear. That when you are in Christ, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Not only that, he that Paul then goes on to define what does that mean? It means old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's what the scripture tells us there. He didn't, he didn't even just leave it as if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. He literally defined it as the things of the past. They are in the past. They have gone away. They have literally passed away. Right. They have died and behold, all things have now are now become new. Right. And it's, which is good news. It is good news. This is what love with truth looks like. This truth is better than identifying as as a sin you struggle with. It's bet. This is better than that. This what, what Paul is very Paul is very clear. He does not. Paul at no point do you, can you read Paul's 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 epistles in context and think Paul did not struggle with sin. Paul calls himself the the chief of all sinners, the the leader of all sinners. Right. Paul Paul says that there is a war within him, where he knows there is a a law that he should follow, and yet he finds a desire in his flesh that is different. Right, Paul. You can't read Paul and not think he didn't struggle. He is not a person that's saying, I have arrived, therefore you will follow me. No, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so here, what he's not saying is, old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Hey, there's not going to be any more struggle with sin now. It's all, you know, kitten whispers and tickle fights and unicorn farts. It's not what he's saying. But what he is emphatically saying is we can't take the things that have passed away and act as if they are the thing that became new because that's not that's not possible. That's not how Christ works. Yes, it's not a it's not a washing of the old things uh, and they're still the old things. They just look better. They're gone. They're dead. Right. He specifically defines the things here in this passage as those things, those new things, the all things that have become new, those all things are of God. They are God's things, right? And he even says here that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Why? Because the old things have passed away and the, we are the new things now. All things have become new. And so we don't, we don't, you know, have the, we don't, we don't live and walk and, 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 and exalt in trespasses and sins that have died. We move forward in the newness uh, that Christ has has given us here in Second Corinthians five seventeen. Additionally, Col- <clears throat> excuse me there, Colossians, Colossians three nine through ten says this. As we are now addressing new creation, it says. Lie not, again, I I think this one is still in KJV, I hadn't switched yet. (laughs) Lie not to one another, 
seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Here, right, we're, we're not the old man anyway, any longer. We are now the new man. The old man and his deeds have been put off. Hmm. That's an, that's an important clarity, an important clarifying point. Not just the old man. It's not just a change of clothes. The old man and his deeds, they are, they have been put off. And what has been put on is the new man. And this new man is explicitly renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. This new man is renewed in the knowledge of Christ. I mean, we can't identify, we can't have our identity be in anything apart from the new creation God has made us. The old things and the old deeds are not our identity in Christ. Which is good news. Again, good news. That is the ministry of reconciliation. It only exists because of Christ here. I don't know why anyone would want to live in those clothes, though. I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, I... I guess I get it from a carnal sense in that it's easier and probably funner, at least what we perceive as those things, but but we perceive those things in our flesh and our fleshly desires. We're not perceiving those things, you know, with, with renewed eyes and renewed hearts and and through, through through the lens of the accomplished work of Christ on the cross. I mean, you're viewing those as this is what I want to do. It's that feelings that feelings hermeneutic, that man based hermeneutic. And let's let's that's just not how that's it's not just not how we get to places. Right. Well it, it saps the Christian out of whatever you're trying to do. Right. It's anti Christian. It's it's exactly it's the kingdom of self as opposed to building the kingdom of God. It's exactly what it is. And it is easier. I mean we should acknowledge that it is so much easier to live a carnal fleshly life. It is not better. <laughs> it is right. it is not more glorious. It is not it is not more fulfilling. Um the idea of having having the momentary fulfillment of this temporal place, uh, in to to take to take the place of a a unsurpassed eternal joy. I mean, it, it's not even it's not comparable. It's not even the same. It's not even the same hemisphere to to be able to think that way. And that's that's why it's not loving. It is unloving. It is unloving to allow someone to identify. As something that is sinful. Oh gosh, Jesse's actually breaking out his CSB Bible because he can't stand I'm not, the translation. I'm not getting to fall. I'm not falling in this trap again. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. This is this is the ESV though. You don't, I mean, you know what? I know you don't. Like I, it. It's fine. You like your. You, it's you, not that I don't like the ES. Yeah, no, it's fine. You it. like you like your. You just want to pull out your pretty your pretty Bible. It's, it's really so, pretty. So nice with his fancy calf skin all tanned because no, you hate animals it's black. it's black and it's goat skin oh Thank goat you. skin sorry Meh. well sheep that's go what, to heaven that's what it said Goats before go to hell oh. sheep yep go to heaven goats make great bible covers <laughs> <laughs> all right the next point we hear <laughs> anyway. the next point under identity from the scripture here is that with our identity we are called to the mortification of of sin, that is, we are called to put sin to death, which I I love. I love this verbiage that the Scripture gives us as a tool, uh, as a tool in our spiritual battle. We are to put sin to death. So, Jesse, would you mind opening up the CSB and reading for us Second Peter three? <laughs> would you Would you mind yeah. doing that? Oh, wait, boy, it's right here. Look yeah. at that. Oh, look. Just you know, but you know, don't read the whole thing. Just verses one through eight, please. I know okay. you, you could get going, and then yeah, we'll be yeah. we'll be all the way into Jude real quick. Jude. Alrighty. Um, so this is Second Peter three verses one through eight. It says, "Dear friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder, so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, be aware of this." Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Uh, they deliberately overlook this by the by the word. They deliberately overlook this 
By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water through water. Through these, the world of that time punished when it was flooded. Uh, By the same word, the present heavens and earths are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. I still think I read too far anyway. Is that what I... (laughs) Did you... I think I put the wrong reference. You put the wrong reference in the... Wait a second, you mean... (laughs) What a beautiful passage of Scripture. Thank you, Peter. That really was a great passage of Scripture. You're just reading it, and I'm like, man, this is great, but I don't think that's what I intended to have in the notes So what is it? First Peter? Well... No, that's wives and husbands. No, it's definitely not First Peter. I'm I'm really wondering what I messed up here. <laughs> it's uh it's actually first it's actually second Peter one three oh. three through eight. So I I messed ah. see what I did there with the I did the I switched the okay. three and the one. one. It's second okay. Peter Let's one three through eight. <laughs> now you know what it's like being with us on a Sunday morning. You know what? I'm not gonna say <laughs> look, I'm just saying it's Christmas time. I work for UPS. Sleep, rest. I have no idea what that is right now. It's all blurring. Everything's <laughs> blurring together. We're gonna try this again. Now that was a great passage, Jesse. But as we're talking about putting sin to death, I think what we'll see is that Second Peter ver- chapter one verses three through eight will fit quite nicely with the idea of putting sin to death as it com- pertains to identity. That would be great to have this be relevant. But I want to say, not only was that a beautiful passage, but you read it well. <laughs> Let's try this again. Let's try it again. The irony is that if I just read it off of the screen instead of flipping to it, you know what? You, know, you like your Bible. Been... I think you should, you should go for it. Second Peter 1. I apologize. It's my fault. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, Self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boom. That passage is beautiful. Boom, 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 boom. I like to hone in on this idea so that through them, all right, there's... Which that which he has granted to us, his precious and very great promises. Through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We don't want to wallow in sinful desire, right? Because it corrupts. And and literally here he communicates to us that if we do, then we won't be doing what he's talking about in verses five through seven. We won't be making this this ever-growing gobstopper layer upon layer, right, of of supplementing your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. We won't be doing that if instead we're feeding sinful desires. And if we feed sinful desires, verse 8 tells us what we're going to be. We're going to be ineffective, unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord, and Jesus, Christ, our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be ineffective for the kingdom and we're going to be unfruitful in knowing who Jesus is like that's it's it's not loving to let someone live out of that and to and to condone or affirm them living out of that because you're literally condoning and affirming them to ineffectiveness what you're doing is actually condemning them to be ineffective you're condemning them to not grow in their knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that's horrible no one wants no Christian should want to do that to another Christian. It's not It's not loving. Hmm. I'm going to read right off the screen for Colossians 3.5 here. <laughs> Definitely the safest bet. <laughs> In putting sin to death, Colossians 3.5 says quite clearly to us, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And in case you were curious what that might be, there's a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He's very explicit here. We're to put to death 
whatever is earthly in you. Now, I don't know. Can you read nuance into that one, Jesse, there? <laughs> we got a lot of nuance in Colossians 3.15. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a figurative death. The, the death there <laughs> is representative of actually keeping those things for yourself. I see. I, you know what? Now that you put it that way, <laughs> ah, yes. clearly, it's right there. I don't know why I didn't see it the words. first time. <laughs> uh, Lining up those words. <laughs> Romans 8, 12 through 13 says this. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to lie, to live according to the flesh. <laughs> Let me try again. Watch out, for those, <laughs> watch out for those commas. They're coming at you, baby. Romans 8, 12 through 13. <laughs> So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Life is found not in living from the deeds of the flesh. It is found by putting those deeds to death through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's it's just so explicit. And this is why it's so sad. It it's so sad because it's it it really is choosing choosing death. It like choosing to live in that death nasty stank world of of impurity and of of lust and of um immorality and death. I mean that is what it is. The liberty, the life, the, the, the freedom comes from forsaking those things and living according to how um, God actually calls us to live in obedience to him. That's where the life and the liberty and, and the freedom are. The freedom are in uh, partaking in the sin. That's, that's, ne- that's never the freedom. That's always the slavery. Correct. And as Galatians 5, one would tell us, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Why would you then submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery? Why? Why would you do that? Don't do that. So additionally, um, when it comes to identity, this this falls under the fact that Christian identity has only one source. There's only one source for the Christian to find their identity in. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Mm. The only source of our identity as a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for his own possession is Christ. It's him who called you. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I, I think it's safe for you to turn to this passage in your scriptures, right. Jesse. I'm, I think it's the correct reference. Yeah, we're good. First Corinthians okay, six, gotcha. nine through eleven. Go for it. <laughs> it says this. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not the will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunk <laughs> commas, commas greedy people. Drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Christian identity found through the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, we no longer do those things. That, That is such were some of you. This is what you used to be. You are no longer those things. You cannot find your identity in those things. You are, are justified and washed clean through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Washed, sanctified, and justified are way better identities than sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, or homosexuals. And that's just, you are not loving, you are not loving someone by letting them live out of an identity that is not in Christ. One more passage under Christian identity. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is no 
clearer verbiage than this. We don't live ourselves anymore. We live Christ. Mm. That is the call of the Christian. That is where our identity is found. The source is Jesus. And I, do, I don't want to be someone who allows a, who, who is allowing for a Christian to think they can live out any other identity because no other identity is worth it. Yeah. There's only one identity that is worth it, and that is the identity that is in Christ Jesus. Mm. The one he gives is truly worth it. Amen. Another interesting point that they make inside B Christianity is this idea of celibacy. And I think, <laughs> I put this point down in our notices, celibacy. I don't know think it means what you think it means, as Anigo Montoya would say. I still think you sound really Asian when you do that. You think I sound Asian when I do that? Yeah. I, I, I don't think you sound Asian when you say, I do not think it means what you think it means. How come you said that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. Is that better? You still think that's Asian? I, it's, it's, I, I don't think it's... All right, like comment it. below, everyone, somewhere. Comment somewhere. That is not Asian. That is Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. I know who you were trying to be. No, I know who I was trying to be. I also know who I was being, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Identity issues here. Put, Identity put, together, issues. Put, put away your old Inigo Montoya and put on the new... Inigo. How come you said that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. I, I, that's Inigo Montoya. You know what? Get out of here. I don't even care anymore. It's right on top of us. <laughs> I wonder if a fish is in the same wind we are using. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could do the Princess Bride all night. Uh, anyway. So we we particularly get the idea uh, of celibacy, uh, particularly from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, the 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a... <laughs> We're going to get so canceled. I just realized we tried to do two different accents on here. That's okay. Uh, what we have in First Corinthians seven from what? is a lot of relationship um, admonition coming from Paul to the Corinthian church. Right, right towards the beginning, though, in verses six through seven, we have this particular, um, these particular words from from Paul speaking about um, his his what is in essence celibacy. He says this in First Corinthians seven six. Or seven. So, in the context of sexual relationships, all right. Uh, just prior to this, he was speaking about men, husbands, and wives, and them um, foregoing um, sexual intercourse for a season for a specific purpose that was that that is spiritual in nature to literally fast from it in some ways. So, so I wanted to talk about celibacy and put it in the right context because to use celibacy the way side B Christian Christians use celibacy, it is um, I believe it's actually um, trying to make something. Uh, a defense against sin when it is that is not what it is called to be. That is not that's not what celibacy is is at all. First Corinthians seven six through seven says this. These are the words of Paul. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Here, what Paul seems to be indicating is that his state in in marital relationship or sexual relationship is one of celibacy, but he refers to it not just in any, not just in any general way. He's, he refers to it as a gift from God. His celibacy was not his, his um, sexual identity was not here in celibacy, right? His, his sexual um, relationship in celibacy was not something that is to be seen as something that, defends against sin rather it was seen as a gift from god a gift from god to allow him more effective ministry and glory to the savior and so i think there's a real danger um in the way side christians tend to use celibacy uh, if you actually read their well, the, I mean, to be fair, there's actually a lot of danger in how a lot of <laughs> Christians <laughs> use cel- a lot of real Christians use celibacy. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. I, in fact, this is interesting because it does apply to all the standards in which we look at celibacy. It's not what we're making it out to be, and that's that's important. That's an important point um, to clarify. To to just use something because it sounds like it's the right thing to use is not. It's not correct. Um, and and so anyway, a gift uh, a gift to remain unmarried for the purpose of ministry is how we see the idea the idea of celibacy here in the scripture. Um, it's 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 not uh, the idea of someone who is called to marriage that is yet unmarried and remains pure. That's a totally different situation. 
That's that's not what the gift of celibacy would be. That's you honoring Christ in purity, which is great. That's exactly what the scripture calls us to do. <laughs> Please do that. Just don't call it what it isn't. And so what we see is celibacy is that it's a tool for the kingdom, not a defense against sin. It's not like, well, I really want to have sex, but I'm going to be celibate for now. <laughs> right? It's, no, God has given me this gift of celibacy that I may use everything and leverage it for the gospel. Um, the First Corinthians 7, 5 is the passage, is right before this, specifically mentions this idea of a temporary celibacy, but it's not celibacy at all. It's really a temporary foregoing of normal marital relations. And it's got an express purpose of intentionally seeking the Lord for a specific season as agreed upon by two spouses. So that's not celibacy either. That's not what Paul's speaking about in verses six and seven when he calls what he has a gift. So it's not the same as purity, it, 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 which, which, is, which is literally not having sex, it, which is even in marriage, you can remain pure by only having sexual relations with your spouse. That is pure before God. But that's not celibacy, clearly. <laughs> right. So we can't just call things. And I think I think it's I think it's highly disingenuous to identify yourself by a sin and say you're going to be celibate now because that's the only way you can live. That that is a that is a degradation of what God has given a gift to so many who actually do have the gift of being unmarried for the effective ministry of the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and again, to your point that you made earlier, I mean, it just doesn't, like, you can't sub, like, you, you hear the absurdity when you just sub that out for other sins. Oh, I'm a liar, but I'm going to lie for a, a time, or I'm going to be a murderer. I'm a murderer, and that's a good and good, that's a good and great gift, but I'm just going to abstain from murdering. <laughs> like, what? God made me like, a murderer, what? but I'm not going to murder. What? Like <laughs> the identity really comes in conflict just, there. Yeah, that and that's well. I mean, yeah, and that, that's the that's the problem. That's a that's again the problem with this identity talk is that when you have the man centered hermeneutic, it it just completely it destroys what identity actually is, and it it completely usurps God's uh, right to the clay, so to speak. It 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 says no, I get to define what I can be. And I'm just going to leave this little little bit of sin over here instead of dying to it, um, which you know, it just doesn't work, right? And that's and that's why we wanted to attack this the idea of the wink and nod church, the church that winks and nods at sin. It's not we're not affirming, we're not we're not applauding, but to wink and nod at it is unloving. You are not loving someone well towards Christ or in Christ, and and. No church should no church should do that. And if you are a church that does that, what you need to do is become conformed to the scripture and repent from what you're doing and go the other way. That's what repentance means, to turn 180 degrees and walk the walk the other way. That's what needs to happen. We don't want to be a culture of wink and nod churches when it comes to sin. We want to be a a group of of churches, all local churches that love and serve Christ, standing on the solid biblical authority of God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit in the community of Christ. That's what we need to be. And so we've just got we've got explicit scriptures here. We can't run from them. We want to we need to run to them. And in doing that, what we have is the truth, and it is loving to speak this truth. This truth is loving. The wink and nod culture is not loving. It's it's far easier, and that that road is wide that leads to the gates of hell. So I, I hope I hope this doesn't seem like I didn't want this to seem as some sort of break off. I wanted to take a topic that the church does not do well addressing and give you some tools to actually speak truth in a loving way to a culture that absolutely needs it. This is the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile people to Christ. And we only are going to be able to do that through his word. And he has given it to us. What a gracious gift he has given us. Amen. Amen. Well, geez, I think that puts episode 47 in the books, man. Puts it right back.
In the books. <laughs> in the <laughs> books. As you're listening to this, we do want to also mention, uh, you need Christmas gifts. Did you know that? Oh, boy. No, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. I don't want to think about it. But if you do need a Christmas gift, and since there are no Christmas gifts in the entire world anymore because they're all in container ships in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee you, before December 25th, you're going to see people swimming out into the harbor in L.A. and Michigan and Florida trying to get onto those containers. <laughs> I don't know what the toy is this year, but I just need a Furby. It's in one of these containers. Let me in. People with blowtorches are going to be swimming out oh there on sailing barges trying to get in a... <laughs> <laughs> did you get a raise this year but then realize it also fell behind the rate of inflation oh but we wanted to let you know that you can get really 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 awesome and bold shirts that will cause you to have awkward conversations at the gym or the supermarket or at work sometimes uh, even at church sometimes oh no uh you can get them at carpefide.com shop shop it up baby uh, we do have some some pretty new, cool new shirts in there. We're, we're trying to get some some a fun Christmas sticker up. We got we got we got it. We even have a beanie. Or as some cultures call it a toque. 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 Touche. 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 We have no idea. Still, we don't know how to say it, but you know what it is. So we have some cool things. If you want to check them out, that'd be awesome. What we're what we're trying to do with uh with our whatever comes in through whatever comes in through that uh, is to make sure we give it out uh, effectively in ministry and we have been very grateful to do that and support so many churches uh, through that so uh, if you want a cool shirt and also be able to have give a gift for Christmas because you actually have it physically in your hands head on over to the Carpet Fide shop <laughs> and order as soon as you can <laughs> yes do do that because again we're two guys in a basement and hey we have full time jobs so hey. we're trying to get those out as fast as possible. Uh, but that's all we got. We hope that you have been encouraged this very evening to seize, seize the, the faith. faith.